Welcome, Simon, uh, and welcome everybody. Uh, this is Dr. Liana Leonoff, and I am the president of the Global Positive Health Institute. And today I have with me Simon Matthews, who is a uh, board director for the Global Positive Health Institute, as well as the CEO of uh, Well Coaches Australia. And uh, we have just completed the Global Positive Health Institute first virtual conference on September 17th and 18th. It was uh, an amazing event, two days of uh, experts in positive psychology and lifestyle medicine talking about how we can integrate the science of positive psychology into health uh, for our self-care as well as uh, for patients. And we are going to spend just the next few minutes on the short uh, podcast uh, to share our takeaways and share some thoughts and uh, hopefully will excite you to want to learn more. We will be in the next uh, few weeks uh, be making available some of those recordings from the conference. And so stay tuned for, to those of you who are following this podcast series. We'll, we'll share more um, as we uh, have those opportunities available. So uh, Simon, I'll direct the first question to you and let you get started. Uh, it was such an amazing conference. What excited you the most uh, from, is, it, uh, is there one speaker or one takeaway that really stood out? It, it, it absolutely was an amazing conference, uh, Liana. And I, I'll, I'll say, just before I respond to that, I'll, I'll say one, one of the really amazing things, I think, was that, um, that, that we showed um, how possible it is to conduct an event that reaches the world. Um, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's lovely to think that, that despite all the, um, uh, all the challenges the world has faced in this last um, year and a half to two years, um, we are finding ways forward to be able to respond. Let me say that to start with. Uh, every every session was absolutely fantastic. There, there are two things that that particularly resonated with me strongly. Um, the first the first one was uh, the session presented by Eric Kim, and, and the reason that that resonated with me so strongly is because um, Eric so beautifully showed where the rubber hits the road. Um, and that is that that when we're talking about positivity um, and we're talking about positive health, we're, we're not simply talking about um, feeling nice or, or you know walking around with a glow or or something like that. We're talking about um, real and tangible differences to health outcomes for people. Uh, and, and I think that's a particularly exciting way to frame up um, where we're heading with this. That, that this, this is an opportunity to, to make real differences to, um, to, to, to health outcomes for people all over the world. Uh, and one of my, one of my, my um, really, I guess, strongly held views uh, about all of this too, is that um, this, this represents an opportunity for us to, um, 
to democratise healthcare. These interventions, positive health interventions, um, almost always cost zero dollars. <laughs> We can, we can, you know, we can make use of these uh, in all sorts of locations, in all sorts of settings, for um, for no cost or at the most very, very little cost. So that's really exciting. Um, the the other uh, the, the other uh, part of the conference that that really um, really stuck with me was um, the session presented by. Uh, Barbara Fredrickson, and particularly around those ideas of, um, of positivity, resonance, and one of the um, I, I've always been um, I've always been strongly influenced by um, by what's called the common factors research, which has been with us for decades in in um, particularly in in therapies, in psychological therapies, and as you know, I'm a psychologist. Uh, and, and it shows that it shows the importance of that um, therapeutic relationship, relationship between the uh, provider and the and the client. And I think what some of um, what some of um, Dr. Fredrickson's uh, presentation really drove home to me was that for years we've been talking about therapeutic alliance, and, and we we talk about um, we, we talk we talk about that the therapeutic alliance works we 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 describe we describe that the therapeutic alliance makes a difference but i think now we have an opportunity to really understand much more clearly why the therapeutic alliance makes a difference and for me that's a particularly um, a particularly exciting perspective in all of this yeah terrific and you picked uh, two wonderful uh, speakers to highlight and uh, what we learned from them and uh, what's exciting is that this is leading edge science and uh, as we're looking through the Global Positive Health Institute to promote the concepts within positive psychology we need to be leading with the science uh, we need that credibility and to build that credibility and the evidence base so that we can champion the cause if you will uh, to healthcare in general and medicine in general and uh, this area of positive psychology has uh, long been considered or just psychology in general has been considered in the domain of mental health providers uh, in the behavioral health field and not necessarily part of what we consider mainstream medicine and when a physician or other health practitioner was seeing a patient they would of course talk about psychological uh, uh, barriers that might come into play for behavior change or uh, mental challenges and conditions with an eye to make sure to refer them to the mental health specialists as needed and with an eye to treating those conditions uh, and moving on as opposed to really seeing that what we're talking about particularly through positive psychology is to look at the if you will the heart and soul of the patient that we have in the examining room and what is driving them makes them tick and that it is that patient-centered approach that whole person approach that's going to really further uh, their health and the healthcare approach 
in in ways that we never imagined before, but is now starting to be in the mainstream. And so that's what's so exciting. And we certainly heard that from uh, Prachi Garodia and Eddie Phillips, who uh, gave a session of how the Veterans Affairs Whole Health Program is using some of these approaches uh, in a, again, this is now a large governmental supported healthcare system that, are, that is uh, really taking advantage of some of the best of this science and uh, veterans are being referred to uh, meditation and mindfulness practice and yoga etc with great outcomes so particularly it's helping to lower substance use uh, opioid use uh, but really they also drove home the point that uh, this approach this positive psychology approach is relevant to every patient and that uh, really asking that question to the patient about what matters most to you and starting there and moving from there to what then happens next in terms of healthcare, in terms of self-care, in terms of priorities for well-being uh, is going to be much more impactful if we start from that uh, core of what matters to the patient. And so that it's, it's lovely to see, see that and it was lovely to uh, not only see the science, but see the practice highlighted. Uh, and um, and then for me personally, I've always been excited about this area of, of positive psychology for the decades that it's been around. And um, and so I'm excited that it, it clearly now some of the lessons that we learned from uh, speakers at the conference, but in in general in the science as we're peeling the layers of the onion, if, if you will, we're, we're learning uh, that it is uh, so, so relevant and front and center to, again, to mainstream medicine and healthcare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's, a really, it, it, it's a really exciting time to be, um, to, to be working in the area of, of, um, of healthcare, Liana, and, and in particular, an exciting time to, to start to see these, um, I, I guess the convergence of these things. Um, what, what, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things that human beings are very good at is deconstructing. Uh, and we do that to understand, of course, we, we, we tear things down and, and look at them part by part as, as a way of understanding. Um, and that's certainly given us great insights into uh, into healthcare and, and the, the functioning of the human body and, and so on. But, but we also we also need to remember to reassemble things at the other end, um, and and not to continue with everything deconstructed. And and I think the the convergence of um, the convergence of positive psychology with healthcare is a is a step in that direction. It kind of it kind of reminds me of Stephen Hawking's uh, Stephen Hawking, the physicist, his quest for a grand unified theory. Um, you know, an, an attempt to to start to bring together diverse areas um, in the world of physics um, in an effort to to show how all of these things are linked. Uh, and how they all interact, and in fact, can all be explained uh, consistently with one another. Uh, and I'm I'm very confident that uh, that in years to come, the science will um, the science will bear that out for uh, for positive health and positive psychology. Uh, 
<laughs> yes, I'm confident as well. Well, I'm keeping an eye on the time and I wanted us to touch on two other questions. So my next question for you, Simon, is what was your favorite takeaway that you think you can apply in your own life uh, from the conference? Oh. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm a bit spo spoiled for choice here, but, but I, will, I will say that um, one of the takeaways that was, that was reinforced for me, so that this, was not, this was not new learning for me, but, but it did reinforce, um, reinforce uh, something that I, I, I endeavour to make a practice of in my daily life, um, and that is the, the way that um, very, very straightforward acts of gratitude and acts of kindness um, make a difference to us. Uh, and they are such easy acts to engage in in daily life. Um, it is ridiculously easy to, to focus on uh, things for which we can be thankful and to display uh, small acts of kindness to, uh, to people around us. Um, so yeah, that, that, for, for me, that's uh, that, that, that's one of those uh, that's one of those lessons for life. One of those things that I I uh, try to build into my my daily existence. Well, thank you. That that certainly makes sense. And I I uh, those are the uh, heart of positive psychology: gratitude practice, acts of kindness. Uh, uh, for me, another important aspect of positive psychology. Uh, is uh, character strengths. And we had uh, the luxury of having uh, Ryan Nemec with Ryan us, Nemec, uh, yeah. who is the uh, education director at the uh, Virtues in Action Institute via Institute on Character. And uh, there, there was his confidence about how we can adapt our character strengths to promote our well-being and our uh, self-care in every way and then showing the the practical uh, tips and practical correlations like for example that uh, character strength humor and bravery for example uh, have a high correlation to health uh, was really inspiring to me because I felt uh, to uh, customize an approach for ourselves that aligns with us in terms of our behavior change, our self-care, etc., is front and center to making something uh, engaging and sustainable. And uh, so for me, I think I'm going to go back now and uh, relook at my character strengths and see how I can uh, intentionally connect them with my self-care. It's, uh, it's amazing. I haven't done that before, <laughs> but, I, but I haven't, not in an intentional way. So I look forward to, to doing that. And for those uh, listeners who are not familiar with the character strengths, I do recommend that you go to viacharacter.org where you can uh, take that survey at no cost. Um, there are six domains and 24 strengths within those uh, six domains and you can you too can find out what your character strengths are and yeah. now to wrap up i want us to look to the future uh, there was so much learning here and uh, I, I absolutely encourage the audience to uh, follow us at, at global positive health institute and we'll let you know when some of these uh, videos are available uh, but as we're wrapping up these learnings, uh, what 
do we need to focus on in the future? What are some next steps that will advance this goal of using the best of positive psychology science in health and healthcare? Yeah, Liana, one of the um, and, and I, look, I, I hope this doesn't sort of um, this is not too, too divergent um, from 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 what you're asking here. But but one of the things that's always on my mind in relation to healthcare and healthcare delivery is the cost. Uh, and of course, that, that's one of the things that that is a, a major issue worldwide. We know the burden of chronic disease. Uh, is um, massive through your country, my country, most most Western developed nations, and increasingly, um, increasingly Middle Eastern and Eastern nations and European nations as well. Um, so, any anything that we do in healthcare, um, I think we need to do with a mind to how, how can we do this in the most cost-effective way possible. And for me, that's that's going to be one of the um, one of the things that, that I hope to see as a, as a focus um, in in the, the marrying um, in the in the union of, of lifestyle medicine and positive psychology, this idea that we can we can design um, we can design systems, we can design interventions, we can design uh, treatments um, whose cost is comparatively very minimal um, and. And, and through that um, also have a, a, tr a transforming effect uh, uh, on healthcare in, in the communities in which it's delivered. Absolutely. I agree that uh, we uh, particularly, at least in the United States here in Australia, we have quite a crisis in terms of <laughs> cost of healthcare and we need to seriously look at solutions and approaches and this uh, patient-centered approach that indeed the science is showing can lead to better uh, and, uh, outcomes uh, with less cost is, is one that deserves major attention in terms of our research and practice uh, for the, fu in the future. And, and my uh, answer to that question uh, in terms of what should be the next steps uh, re revolves around really inspiring our colleagues, physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, other healthcare team members uh, to be thinking about how they can in small ways start uh, integrating this into practice and, and uh, if they can't do full-on research, we need more research, but they can do demonstration projects almost as their own um, if you will quality improvement projects within their healthcare settings and experiment uh, in uh, very straightforward ways uh, to see how as they are making good use of tools from the science of positive psychology they uh, see what feedback they get from patients and what the actual outcomes are so uh, we we can start small, all of us individually um, as health practitioners uh, to see the differences and then perhaps uh, those are kind of, if you will, feasibility studies and uh, then hopefully that will lead healthcare teams to collaborate in more formal ways with positive psychology researchers 
And one of our speakers at the conference was Dr. Judy Moskowitz. Mm -hmm. uh, she uh, has been doing a series of major studies uh, that are funded through the National Institutes of, of Health. And she's been able to show how positive psychology interventions can impact health. And what was so exciting is she's now taking that into the clinical settings. For example, she said she's now working with the oncology clinic at Northwestern University. So our healthcare colleagues can, as they start to get inspired by doing this for themselves, uh, perhaps some of them, not all of them, will want to collaborate with people like Dr. Judy Moskowitz uh, so that we build that evidence base that's uh, needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's such an exciting time, Liana. Um, it's an exciting time to um, exci exciting time to, to 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 work in healthcare, and, and an exciting time to, um, in particular, to to be um, to bear witness to um, to the the convergence of uh, of positive psychology and health in this particular way. Yes. Of course, we're both passionate about it. That's why we're very active in the Global Positive Health Institute. And, uh, and for our audience, uh, we hope we're inspiring you to learn more about uh, the role of positive psychology, the science of positive psychology in health and healthcare. Please follow us at the Global Positive Health Institute at positivehealth.world. And uh, thank you for following podcast series and looking forward to having you back again as we invite uh, other lifestyle medicine and positive psychology experts to really delve into uh, in, in short and quick ways uh, some inspirational um, words for you to think about for your own lives as well as your clinical practices. So thank you Simon for joining me today. My pleasure Liana, thank you. All right. Uh, take care, everybody. Until next time, be safe, be well. Bye-bye. Hello, and welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast series presented by the Global Positive Health Institute. My name is Dr. Liana Lianoff. I'm the president of the Global Positive Health Institute. And on this podcast series, we talk about all things related to positive psychology, health, and well-being. And today, I'm delighted to welcome as our guest, Sandy Blaine. She has a master's in applied positive psychology and she is a well-being expert that's focused on this specific area that we're so interested in, on this link between physical health and emotional well-being and is also writing a book so we'll hear more about that later. Welcome Sandy. Thank you Liana, it's great to be here. Terrific. So we will dive right in in honor of keeping these podcasts short. And I'd love to hear what developed your interest in this uh, intersection between positive psychology and health. Well, I would say it's a natural interest of mine. I've always been a physical and movement oriented person. So that part comes really naturally. And I started thinking about the relationship between physical health and emotional well-being quite a while ago uh, when I happened to hear about the happiness set point theory. 
and you know, it was just a segment that I heard on an NPR show. I don't know, it was probably 15 years ago, um, and uh, about the the possibility that each of us has a genetic set point for our happiness level. And I, my first thought, honestly, was, wow, I, I'm pretty lucky if that's true, because I think I have a really high set point. But then. I started thinking about my lifetime yoga practice and various other things that I did regularly in my life. And I started wondering about a kind of chicken and an egg question. Like, do I have a high set point naturally? And that's why I have, you know, healthy practices that I do, or is it the reverse? How much do those healthy practices affect that set point and my experience of, you know, how often I'm in a good mood and that really led me to positive psychology. Just that, you know, I became really deeply intrigued with that question. Yes, it's it's interesting because oftentimes uh, this question of nature versus nurture comes up. You know, how much of our level of uh, happiness experience and sense of well-being is dictated by our genetics versus our environment. And of course, it's both. And uh, the research is showing that's kind of a, a quite a wide range of the percentage of the uh, populations that are studied that are impacted by genetics versus environment. And uh, it could be that there's a large uh, factor uh, from genetics, but regardless, there is a uh, also the factor that we can do something about it. And that's what's so exciting about positive psychology is that we can engage in positive psychology-based activities that boost our sense of well-being and happiness, no matter what that, like you say, set point is. So uh, very true. So uh, what are some ways that then you personally used uh, positive psychology as well as professionally? Tell us a little bit more. We'll start with personally and then we'll move on to professionally. Right. So I so agree that it is so exciting that we can change our experience. And I, you know, I've come to feel that really uh, all well-being has a physical element. You know, every experience we have comes from being a human body in our human bodies. And on a personal level, the more I learned about positive psychology, the more I realized that I had been intuitively, quote, positive interventioning myself my whole life boosting my uh, own well-being, my own mental well-being with exercise, meditation, gratitude practices, and more, just on a, you know, on a kind of intuitive level. And then when I went to grad school, when I got my degree in positive psychology, I was able to really lean into and expand on that. Um, I, I would say that's the main thing, but I was so delighted to discover that the, there was work being done in areas like Barbara Fredrickson's upward spiral theory of positive emotions and Robert Valorant's work on passionate engagement versus obsessive engagement and all the research on the theory of motivation, the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So much of that really described and confirmed and validated my own experience and observations and gave me a much deeper understanding of some of those areas and language to explain my own thinking around them. Yeah, the, you just mentioned a whole pile of 
<laughs> subtopics in positive psychology that uh, we'll have to dive into in, in future podcasts. Uh, but it, it'll, it's a nice teaser for our audience. And so of the, some of the topics that you did mention, what's the, what's the favorite strategy of yours? Well, I would say, actually, it's a different one. I would say I love the VIA character strengths. And that was a new, that was completely new to me. And I really love that positive affirming approach to growing and flourishing uh, through discovering and owning and leveraging our own strengths. Um, professor James Powelski, who was one of my professors, has a favorite quote that I, I, I really love, which is train your weaknesses and race your strengths. And I think leveraging your strengths in terms of how you approach taking care of your of your overall wellness is really beneficial. Yes, and actually, character strengths is almost like it's its own huge uh, section of positive psychology. When Marty Seligman, who is considered the the founder or father of positive psychology, when he helped to define the field, uh, he he talked about the science of flourishing in in many ways and but then specifically pulled out in the definition the character strengths so that's uh, that's terrific that that so uh, share with us a little bit about now how you're using uh, this uh, uh, knowledge and now your expertise in positive psychology and physical health professionally well professionally um I would say that all of the learning of positive psychology informed uh, my teaching. You know, I've done a lot of yoga teaching and I really wanted to be able to support students and clients on along a fuller spectrum of well-being because again, you know, we're not, I think I don't believe in mind-body dualism and in any separation between mind and body. I, I think we're it's it's more than mind-body connection. We're fully integrated beings and it's kind of miraculous. We're all on this continuous feedback loop. And so with that, I've I've moved away from yoga teaching as in teaching the physical practices of yoga toward being a well-being, you know, writer and speaker, I'm working on a book and have been writing shorter pieces for blogs on the connection between positive psychology and physical wellness, on the connection between yoga and um, and positive psychology. I do a lot of consulting for tech companies and startups on employee well-being that uses that intersection of positive psychology and wellness. And uh, I, I know there are individuals in our audience that are health professionals, health coaches, and other healthcare team members. So what advice might you have for them in terms of uh, integrating this science into their, their work and their practices, and particularly for health professionals directly with patients? Well. You know, for health professionals, I you know think that that um, <laughs> directing people toward the character strengths is just such an affirming place to start. Um, that's just an inspiring resource to give people, uh, both the professionals themselves and their patients. Um, and then in terms of just uh, helping their clients uh, take care of their own health and um, helping themselves and others prevent burnout, 
I think the research on taking breaks is very unequivocal, that that is the starting place for preventing burnout. And even micro breaks like pausing, closing your eyes, taking 10 slow, deep breaths is very effective. Even better if you can take 10 minutes to stretch or get outside and walk around the block. Movement unfailingly boosts our mental and physical energy. And the issue with that is that our nervous systems aren't really wired to take breaks when we're under stress. We're wired to keep pushing through. But we really know from the research, Dr. Sapolsky and others, uh, that pushing through like that only works if we're stressed for finite periods of time, which is not usually the case in modern life. So when we have ongoing or chronic stress, we need to learn to give our nervous system some relief or that stress will become stress overload and it'll cause health problems. Um, I do recommend drawing up a personal list of activities that you know will boost your well-being and you can set a timer for say every 90 minutes. And when that timer goes off, you pause and you take those 10 breaths and, and or choose one of those activities on your list for your self-care break. And I guess I'd add that you have to make your own list of things that work for you. There's an issue of person activity fit, which is also its whole own, you know, area, its, its whole own topic. But the, the bottom line is that everybody's well-being prescription is different. There's no one size fits all. So it's about creating your own personal well-being toolbox. Well said, and I'm absolutely a fan of that person activity uh, emphasis. And uh, uh, oftentimes uh, when we introduce and I introduce uh, a group of people to positive psychology and uh, introduce sort of the, the, if you will, the, the wide spectrum of the kinds of activities and approaches that could fit under this umbrella of positive psychology, it could seem overwhelming. And so uh, sort of, an, of course, an easy place to start is uh, the construct of PERMA that many of the people in the audience have heard about, you know, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment. But well beyond that is to start uh, thinking even within uh, those categories uh, you know, what really suits me best, suits me uh, and my lifestyle and who I am as a person, personalities, etc. And uh, we'll definitely be diving into the person activity fit in future podcasts. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, and I also really appreciate, though, the, the practical tip that you've shared of just setting that timer, having a short list, creating that short list, however you come up with that list, and, and being uh, true to it, true to yourself. And uh, I, I need to do that. I don't do that quite <laughs> as, uh, as effectively as, um, as I, I should. So, uh, so good advice. Um, all right. Well, uh, uh, do you have any other thoughts to share with our audience as our time is just about up? I'd love for you to also mention some resources for our audience as well as any other uh, closing thoughts. Okay. Well, in terms of uh, recommendations, uh, one thing is uh, one more thing to add, which is, and I discussed this in my talk at the conference. I think that positive messaging uh, can make a huge difference in communicating with clients and patients and students and using a carrot rather than a stick 
And you know, for example, just talking with your patients about the happiness boost they can get from exercise is such an inspiring and motivating message and really more effective than the scolding or scare tactics of negative health outcomes if they don't. So just kind of changing the approach of how we make recommendations to people. Um, in terms of resources, uh, I'm a big fan of Darlene Marshall and her podcast, Better Than Fine. I love Kelly McGonigal's work, and um, I actually wrote a blurb for her first book, Yoga for Pain Relief, which is not as well known as her later books, but it's an incredible resource for dealing with chronic pain. And on top of that, you could really apply the resources and recommendations and tools in that book to so many other conditions, stress, um, anxiety, depression, you know, a whole host of things. You could take uh, the work in that book and apply. And, um, and then if people wanted to follow up with me, um, it's sandyblaine.com um, and my books and articles are all available there. Terrific. And Terrific. And I should mention, because we talked about character strengths earlier, is for people in the audience that are not familiar with the website where you can help identify your character strengths, that, that is via character.org. Um, at no cost, you can take that survey and start uh, identifying your strengths and putting those to good use towards your well-being. Um, but thank you for sharing those wonderful resources. Uh, Sandy, and thank you for being a guest on this podcast. I hope to bring you back <laughs> again uh, sometime in the future to continue this uh, kind of conversation. And thank you for your good work as we uh, collectively uh, look to harness the best from the science of positive psychology for our own well-being and uh, others around us and in our um, uh, practices and careers. So thank you. Thank you, Liana. It was great talking with you. Thanks All for right. having me. All right. Take care. And thank you, everybody in the audience for listening to another podcast from the Global Positive Health Institute. And we'll see you here again sometime soon. Be safe, be well. Bye-bye, everybody.